Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that the sessions you've just been involved in were that challenging experience I hoped they would be, uh, both for government and yourselves in terms of the process that you've been involved in. I hope there's been a good exchange, and I've certainly had some headlines back from the, the working groups, which I think we can maybe deal with in terms of some questions that we can ask the... I'm not sure what you call a group of ministers together. Um, I can think of, I can give think of some polite things. I can think of things that are not quite so polite, but a noise of ministers, that'll probably do. But in any case, we've obviously we've got a series of ministers here who are more than willing to engage now in a question and answer session for about 20 minutes or a bit longer if it takes a bit longer, just to answer some of the questions that you may have uh, in general terms that you didn't get the chance to ask with the First Minister this morning. Um, some of the things that came out of the, the headlines from the groups were more appropriate work experience, employer-focused, encouraging young people into self-employment, learning lessons across the sector about what works well, better and easier access to information for employers. But probably one of the most important things that needed, needed to be positive around this agenda. So I'll try to brigade the questions and, and keep some focus around it as we go around, but maybe we should start off with positivity as the for this part of the session about how we can be more positive about these things and if anyone wants to ask a question around that issue I'll direct it to the appropriate minister. Now I'll try to keep ministers tight to with, with their answers if you could be also be tight with your questions please we're most grateful. MD or anything you like here we go there's a gentleman here he tells you you are and what organisation you represent that would be very helpful too. I now regret actually suggesting that because I'm going to get this all the way around. So I'm just going to settle for a pride of ministers and that'll probably get us. Fiona, do you want to kick off since it's yeah, Greater Scotland? It was one of the issues that came up in our group and um, one of the points is also about the media and also about what we say and to get that partnership as well. Very important point also about um, the ex everyone's experience but actually employers being surprised, pleasantly surprised about what they get when they get 16 and 17 year olds and we need to tell that story. Uh, but also the role model point I think is really important of success because for many youngsters it's not the people in this room they'll see as role models, it's people who've gone through similar experiences successfully. So there's great stories to tell um, and also in terms of uh, positivity by employers telling other employers about the experience as well. But I think showcasing some good examples because there's too many people that want to talk down young people, we've, we, we've heard that. Um, but it's a responsibility for all of us and if we've all got that commitment ourselves we can engage the media positively and also young people to tell their own stories and to be people to be positive about them I think we can overcome this kind of easy barrier easy negativity that's about and the example that Andrew used was um, an artist and some of the issues around self-employment and entrepreneurships particularly in the creative industries are transferable um, some of the ideas that came from that were very good but I think we've got to be really up for telling the good stories because there are good stories there um, and it's worth its weight in gold. Mike, short contribution, I'll let Stuart say a few words as well. There is um, the abstract fears, and I mean they are real, but you, we heard one earlier this morning, uh, the groups have discussed them too, the abstract fears of legislation, <coughs> of difficulties with employment, uh, bad stories that people have heard need to be overcome, 
And the best way to do it is with the very positive stories which Fiona and I you know, will have seen on a regular basis. I, I make it my, 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 my habit to visit employers who have uh, modern apprentices, to talk to them. I've seen some just fabulous examples and examples of where there has been a, a slight reluctance on the behalf of the employer and it's been completely overturned. So we need to make much of the successes that we've got and to help people to understand them. And we'll have to find a way to do that. And that's one of the things that will come out of this. We need to do a great deal more of that. Stuart, very quickly. Uh, one of the people we had in our group, uh, I hope he's still here, is Neil Grant, who's a 21-year-old, uh, yes, he is a good uh, entrepreneur with five years' experience. So I think there are good models around. And he's in technology. And I just make a very simple little point that the young generation whom we're talking about here are online all the time. We talk about the negative things of getting the wrong messages through their Facebook pages and so on and so forth. Actually, there's huge positive things. We can respond and tune into what people are doing on technology, encourage people to use it as a positive way of expressing positives about in their, in their lives, and we can find the really good people, often in unexpected places, by using that technology. Okay, I've now got questions coming in from this gentleman here and then from this gentleman here. Hello, Gordon Henderson from the Federation of Small Businesses. Um, a point I made in my group, and it was backed up by others, um, was a need um, at schools with education to actually um, teach young people what it's like to set up and run their own business or maybe to get hold of young people with ideas and uh, tell them where to go. Um, for this help and I think somebody else in my group said also a bit of coaching on what works like you know what's it like to go to work what time do you have to get up what do you wear um, what's it like to have a job and isn't it good and if you run a business isn't it great to run a business it's hard work but it's also rewarding and it's a great thing to consider um, what practical steps do you think the government can take to actually implement this across all schools rather than just uh, schools where there's an interested party nearby um, and also, I was also wondering um, about the, the, the lack of representation from the education, um, especially second year education here today. Okay, I'll, I'll let Mike start with that one. Yeah, and I, then don't, I don't think the question of lack of representation from secondary education is of, of great significance. There are different groups in different places. I know that secondary education is very focused on this. We do have, let me start with a slight caveat before I, I, I agree. Uh, and, and give you a solution. The slight caveat is we do have a distributed system of education in Scotland. Uh, you know, head teachers do run their schools. Employers should have good relationships with those schools. Now, in many cases, that does work and works well. The cases where it doesn't work is where we need solutions to this. But we also need a more of a national focus on what our priorities are. Um, and I, am, I see from the outcomes of the group, and I've just had a brief note of it, and from that point, that I think there is a serious issue to address in schools in terms of the uh, the, the breadth and depth of work experience and the commitment to understanding the world of work. And I can say to you, I will take those forward as Education Secretary. That will be an outcome for me to, to take forward now and to see what we can do within Curriculum for Excellence. And there are senior educational figures here who I'm sure will help me to do that. I think I saw the youngest member of the ministerial team here today signal he wanted to just say a few words. Yeah, okay. It ties in with the showcasing issue uh, that... Uh, there are some programmes I'm aware of where young people have, uh, in their own time, been part of projects where they go and study the world of work, create their own social enterprises on a very 
small and modest budget. And it's a mixture of young people, those that are doing particularly well and those that are doing not so well. And that's just individual projects, but I think there's a lot that can be learned of that. It was pioneered in Inverclyde and rolled out to other local authorities and has worked particularly well uh, based on the Alan Sugar model of uh, business uh, and The Apprentice, and they've modelled local projects on that, as well as the core contribution that the Cabinet Secretary has just mentioned. Angela, and I'll come to this gentleman here. Just to say uh, briefly, Bruce, that... Uh, one of the, the reasons behind setting up uh, my particular post uh, was actually to be a government minister as well as you know, with a, a, a sole focus in boosting youth employment was actually to, to help bridge that gap uh, between the world of education and, and the world of work. And that's one of the reasons why I report directly both to Michael Russell as Cabinet Secretary for Education and also to uh, John Spinney, the, 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 the finance uh, and economy man. Sir. Group, but I'm also chair of Social Enterprise Scotland. Um, one of the most important things that came out of our group, I think, was the need to create more jobs. It's not just about getting young people into the churn of jobs, if you like. And I think I'm pleased that Derek mentioned social enterprise is being created because I think we have a stronger role to play in job creation in Scotland. But my question is that I, I'm delighted that you brought a group of young people along today. And somebody in our group um, was talking about that and said it's not really in our remit to have a dialogue with young people, but we do it now all the time. And I think there was a feeling in our group that we all should be having a greater dialogue with young people, whether it's social media or whether it's face-to-face, -face, and finding out what young people think about us as organisations or businesses. A two-way dialogue um, so that we can learn more about how young people see the future and engage them. So I, I wonder how, if ministers have got other views about how we can do more of that. Angela, I'll kick off with you, and if somebody else wants to pick up after that, fine. Uh, then I'll come across. Absolutely, and I mean that's something that, uh, in my post, I'm absolutely determined to do, not just in a uh, ad hoc. Uh, now and again fashion you know I want to be uh, regularly uh, engaging with young people and doing that uh, meaningfully um, you know there is nothing like uh, a young person uh, telling you you know how, how, it, how it really is uh, and I've always been absolutely uh, blown away uh, by the, the caliber uh, of young people that we have uh, in many organizations I've always uh, been blown away by young people who have had to overcome considerable uh, disadvantage uh, in their life and I know you know the first question was about showcasing uh, the, the success of, of young people but I also think uh, you know there's an argument for, for showcasing um, employers uh, and organizations that are absolutely doing the right thing uh, to support young people because actually in many ways we know uh, what works um, with young people but we need to be uh, continuously uh, having that dialogue to ensure that the opportunities uh, that, that we are facilitating are actually opportunities that young people want to take part in. Fiona, Fiona and I'll come to this gentleman here after that. I think there's a, a, a deep point here about the cohesiveness of our society at difficult times. Whenever he's causing, you know, we know the, the state of finances and the, the stresses and strange, strains on lots of organisations and employers and businesses. But the success of coming through that will be the re resilience of us as a community 
and you know many of us in our own communities know each you know we're well connected and there's a connection in Scotland that's very valuable but that will only work if people can talk to each other across sectors, across generations, the fact that we can come together in this room as a National Economic Forum is, is symbolic of that. But it's really important that we have an obligation that, to engage actively with young people. And I suppose that's a challenge for all of us. I mean, we're very privileged as being ministers that we frequently get an opportunity in our jobs to, 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 to meet young people. But when you're very busy as an employer and you're running your business, how do you keep personally connected to that generation? So I think it's a philosophical approach here, which should underpin the social values of us as a nation that we should maybe reflect on and how we engage with young people and why we engage as well. Thank you, Fiona. The gentleman here and then the gentleman here. Hi, uh, Neil Grant, I'm from RecruitWork, as earlier mentioned. Um, just a point of action um, on some of the points raised already. Uh, we're all up for sh showcasing inspiring young people. We'd, we're doing a video series uh, called Young Stars, which is inspiring young people. I've uh, done a few of them already, but we're also doing videos, YouTube videos, so anyone can go and watch them, on local heroes, which is people within communities that can be inspiring, and Knights in Shining Armour. So we've got videos like Sir Tom Hunter, Sir Sandy Crombie, Peter Ledger, who you know, ran Golden Eagles for a number of years. So point of action number one, if anyone knows any inspiring young people, or people within the community, please get in touch. We'll come around and do a wee video on them uh, so that we can sort of share experiences and stories and get that positive message across. Uh, the second point of action really is the work experience that was mentioned. Um, we're, we're, what we're gonna do is we're running our national um, initiative to try and get individuals within communities to offer work experience posts. So just saying, I will take someone on for a week. So if anyone here is interested in offering a work experience placement to anyone across the UK. Uh, sort of young, we, we run three services, teamwork for teenagers, uni work for students and grad work for graduates. Get in touch and I invite the ministers as well if, uh, if they'd be interested in offering a work experience placement. Okay, I think that was a comment rather than any questions to any particular yeah. minister, but I'll let them pick it up as we go through the, the, the rest of the questions. Question here and then okay. I'll... Thanks very much, uh, Paul Cadbury from um, Action for Children. I suppose my comments really around I really comment by one of the ministers about cohesiveness. Um, and my question is about targeting uh, resources. Now, the first minister talked earlier on about, you know, 11% of young people leaving school don't have positive destinations. And as we talked about in, 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 a, in an earlier um, workshop, children leaving care are disproportionately represented in that. And also across Scotland and, and communities, there'll be lots of kids in schemes in Scotland who come from workless families. And when they're looking up, the people, the role models are the guys who are selling drugs and the flash cars and the serious and organised uh, criminals. And they're not the right role models. And so these kids either they end up in crime or they end up being recruited into these, these types of um, gangs. What we know, organisations like Acts for Children and Bernardo's and other colleagues here, if we provide intensive support, wraparound support, providing wage subsidies for employers and providing young people with the right kind of skills to have the right attitudes to get into the workplace, then we, we, we can make a difference. And I just wondered what the kind of group of ministers uh, just thought about, about targeting. Mike, do you want to start off with that one? And then there is a strong commitment to work with the third sector, with your own organisation, with a range of others, in ensuring those things happen. Uh, government has been bad, you know, all Scottish governments have been bad, at the issue of looking particularly after looked after children and trying to take them forward. The, the figures for them are, are very poor indeed. And we've got a renewed focus on that to try and make sure that we make a difference. But also we need to recognise that uh, those who are hardest to reach, and I thought uh, Robert Smith's contribution, which particularly focused on those who are hardest to reach, are those on whom we need to spend the most time and the most effort. I don't know if 
People, a number of people in this room will have <coughs> visited some of the activity pilots that exist in Scotland, trying to take uh, young people who really are very, very distant from any prospect of work, uh, young people who, have, who simply do not regard work as, as fitting within the pattern of their lives, and indeed who have got themselves into a situation where they feel it will never be the case. The enormous amount of work being done there is very expensive. I mean, without a doubt, these pilots are very expensive to run, but the rewards we're getting out of it are enormous. So there is a continued commitment to work in that way, and indeed, the first of the, 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 the announcements that came from Angela's uh, additional £30 million, pounds, and it's important to stress it's an additional £30 million, pounds, uh, was on precisely the group of those who are furthest in the labour market and hardest to reach, and we'll continue to focus on that. Uh, that's not to disadvantage others, but it is to recognise where the biggest problems lie, to find a way to solve them, and to work in partnership with everybody we can. And that is, you know, this whole gathering is about making sure that there is an inclusive nature of activity. It is not the third sector here, government there, education there, you know, business there. It is saying, we've got a problem, collectively we've got to find ways to solve it. Angela and Stuart, and I'll just look for some more hands at this moment, because anyone else wants to ask a question. Briefly, Bruce, that uh, although I'm no longer the, 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 the children's minister, uh, that, that was my, my, my previous post. I will never stop talking about our responsibilities to care leavers. And Mike's already spoke about, you know, the, the very first announcement that we made from, from the opportunities uh, uh, for all funding was indeed targeted uh, at care leavers, young carers, and young people with uh, other uh, considerable disadvantage. But I think the important point here to remember, and it is about this whole government approach, uh, the agenda on preventative spend and early intervention. Touch, uh, touches upon absolutely uh, every uh, portfolio and I think that's something that you know this government has actually taken to its heart and its, and it, and its core. It's not a quick fix uh, but it is absolutely uh, the, the right thing to do. I think Paul made a very important point about role models that I just wanted to pick up on. Uh, if the role models in a community are the Mr. Biggs in the criminal industry, generally in drugs, that's bad news. I think one of the great successes that Kenny McCaskill as the Justice Cabinet Secretary has had is in negotiating with the UK government because fines and recoveries go to them, and we have to ask for them back, is to get more of that back so we can plough it into schemes that will prevent more of these kids getting involved in activities that are not useful. But it also, I think, serves a second and very strong purpose of saying strongly to kids in these communities that the way of crime is not going to be the way to riches in future because we're going to come after you for your money. And I think there's been great commercial uh, support as well for diversionary activities, things like midnight football that many in this room can make further contributions to. So I think we've made very good start there. More to do. Derek? comments if we've got the role model right and the opportunities are there there's one other very important element that was raised in my group and that's welfare that if you've got all the conditions right and you've inspired a young person and then they find out that the impact on their household is detrimental to their finances then we've got a very serious problem and we're back to square one so that welfare issue has to be addressed and would be helped if we at least had all the powers and all the strategies and policy making in the one place so that we could properly uh, deliver and of course the direction of travel that this government would support uh, would be in, in Scotland and we can take a proper strategic approach to all these issues because if one thing was raised above all else was simplification. Thank you Derek. 
I've got a gentleman here and a gentleman here, and then I'll need to wind this particular part up. Thank you. Well, it's Dennis Murphy from Skillforce Scotland. We're an educational charity that works in schools with youngsters who are essentially going to become your, the 20% of the low achievers that come out of school. It's, just, it's more to highlight an issue than, than it is to ask a question. Um, it's you know, beyond um, question, really, that that earlier intervention has been recognised and the benefits are, um, are great. It's just to let you know that, you know, when we look at the curriculum for excellence and its reliance on charities, third sector, partnership working, um, to come in and support the education system, to support these youngsters, to, to put them into positive destinations, that it's, it's becoming for us actually quite, quite a burden now because as funds are kind of becoming constricted, that we still want to do what we want to do, but the, there's no directed funding or it's much harder to find direct funds to make that work continue. Okay, I think there's a comment, so I'll take, and if anybody wants to reflect on that comment, but I'll take the last, I'll take this question here, and then the very last question from this gentleman here. Uh, Mike Farley from Doosan Power Systems. It says in, it says in the report that 44,000 young people out of the 65,000 16 to 24 year olds who are unemployed um, actually have a reasonable level of educational qualifications. I think there needs to be a bit more information about what, what these people are, what qualifications they've got, and where they're located so that we can actually focus on those people. That's two-thirds two of, uh, of, the, of the unemployed. And then companies who are in those areas that need those people would know more about what's, what's out there. Mike, Angela, you want to pick up on that? Just that the matching issue is fantastically true. We, you know, we, we need to make sure that we have a, a, a very clear understanding of where people are, who those people are, what their needs are. It's the individualization, of course, that bridges us neatly into Curriculum for Excellence, which is about individualization. All I can say on your point is, you know, obviously, we need to talk about the services that exist in school. We need to make sure that the support for school is correct, and that's within the context of making sure that we're investing in the right things. So I hear what you're saying. I'm not carrying the collective ministerial checkbook at the present moment. Uh, they don't let us out with one, but uh, I do hear what you're saying. Yeah, John Swinney's at com Budget Committee, that's why you can't get the checkbook. Um, Angela, and then I'll come to the last question from this gentleman. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think what the, the youth employment strategy was, was, was trying to uh, portray is that not all young people uh, have the same needs, and therefore we really do need to have a range of quite targeted interventions. Uh, we have our, our young people who are hardest to reach and they need you know, quite individualised, intensive support uh, quite often um, you know, before we can even get them into to training or learning. The other end of the spectrum um, is that we have um, you know, young unemployed Scots who are full-time students. The issue there is about what happens to them post-graduation, getting them into those uh, graduate level entries, otherwise you'll have displacement in, in the labour market. And then the largest cohort, uh, the, the 44,000 uh, that the gentleman mentioned, uh, are undoubtedly you know, young people that if the economy uh, was in better health, uh, would be picking up employment. But I think you know, if there are opportunities where we can be smarter uh, about knowing uh, you know, uh, where these young people are and what skills they have and how we can match that uh, to the needs you know, of, of local economies and different sectors, um, you know, if there are smarter ways of doing that, I have uh, very open ears. <laughs> yes, sir. Hi, I'm Tony Scalax for Children. I had the pleasure of being in, in Derek's group, and I'd just like to pick up that point of, of simplifying things. 
I'd like to ask the Minister, I think we're in danger of overcomplicating things here um, from some of the training grants is available, the complexities around the eligibility for some of those about, you know, ESF and TFW and get it for work and all that. But the, the simplification extends to other things where there was red tape bureaucracy around work experience placements, which we all see is important, but there's obviously health and safety constraints on that. And even around tendering and contracting around the kind of sometimes the sandwich shop is using theirs about the sandwich shop owner who wants to do the business of the council and has to fill in a 50-page document um, in terms of small businesses. So what can we do to simplify some of these processes in order to get the help and the knowledge out to the private sector and, and, and others who can help? I'll start with Fiona and I'll let Mike deal with that That's question too. Point. Um, one of the points made in our group was there will always be different things we can improve and we've got to have a collective responsibility. If we come across anything that's a barrier, we, we make sure and be persistent and making sure people know about it, but also come up with suggestions of how it can be overcome. And I think, you know, people complain about things and there's an issue about whether the complexity is a, an excuse or where it's a reason. And I think it, sometimes it can be both and cut, cutting through that. But as somebody who, my, myself, we have work experience in my office, most MSPs do, uh, everybody has to step up to the plate and, and do this. But I, th I think that sometimes we've got to cut through, well, what is real and what is a, a kind of, it's easy to say no to. And that's why employers can help each other by saying, I've done it, you can do it. But also if we have to work with local authorities and that's obviously Derek's area, we can try and work with them to, to try and improve it. But you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. And if you don't try, you won't succeed. And I think we've got to do both of those things. Mike, uh, last comment from the Minister, from Derek. Never give up. You know, I mean, I've spent the last five years or four and a half years, almost five years as a minister, uh, fighting the fight for simplification. And we need to go on doing it constantly. You know, there is a question of accountability for public money. So there does need to be a level of, of understanding of that. There, is there are undoubtedly issues of, of health and, and safety, particularly for younger people, that have to be addressed too. But an awful lot of the requirements are unnecessary. You know, we have to live within, for example, European requirements in ESF, which are vastly overcomplicated. I, I think a continuing crusade against that type of uh, form filling and a crusade in favour of simplification is what one of the things that gets me up in the morning, and I would like everybody in this room to continue with that. Derek. Yeah. As we said in the group, if we're going to get young people into work, we're going to have to work together much more than we have done in the past because there are many organisations with a degree of duplication, so we must bring it together and give people who want to provide opportunities a one-stop shop, a place where they know they'll get that sound, robust, clear, accurate advice and support. A worst example I can think of is in a, one area where the Chamber of Commerce was doing a, a jobs and apprenticeship fair, and in the same area, a council authority was creating a new employability scheme, and they hadn't discussed either with each other. Wouldn't it have made sense for them to have been planned together so that the jobs fair, bringing the private sector enthusiasm and philanthropy there into an organised scheme that would lead to a subsidised placement? Now, that is now happening because we, we knock some heads together. So there's a, there's a clear issue about just making sure all the public sector, private sector, third sector, we're all working together and providing the clarity and synergy that will make the difference and then address that issue of simplification. We all have absolute clarity on who's doing what uh, and why. Thank you, Derek. Well, folks, ladies and gentlemen, I've enjoyed engaging with you today. I've enjoyed facilitating this particular forum. But my last job in that particular exercise is to introduce Mike Russell, who will make the closing remarks. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bruce. And first of all, a, a very warm thank you to everybody here for what has been a lively and important discussion over the last uh, three and a bit hours. 
<coughs> we said earlier this was a record turnout. It's not just been a record turnout, and I've been at a number of national economic forums. It's been a record level of participation, and those two things are not always exactly the same. I think that I've heard throughout this morning lots of good ideas, lots of keenness to engage, and I'm grateful to you. Our job now, all of our job collectively, is to convert this and continuing action into some real change. Because there is momentum in, in, in this area. Uh, Angela's appointment indicated that the government felt very strongly that we had to move and keep moving to address the issue of youth employment. To sustain the activities we already had and to create new activity uh, backed by new resource. I think this government has demonstrated since it came into office in May 2007 that despite the existing limits on our economic levers, and we work hard to overcome and to change that situation, but despite that, we will do everything we possibly can to strengthen the performance of Scotland through its businesses and through its people. And our commitment to young people is at the very heart of that. We have to make, because the young people make, we have to make a unique long-term investment in Scotland by investing in those young people. Now, at the start this morning, the First Minister set out the scale of the challenge we face. There's no doubt that the problem has been exacerbated by the global economic conditions in which we find ourselves. But we can find Scottish solutions to help Scotland, and that is a task we should set ourselves. The discussion groups covered a lot of interesting ground. The participants posed interesting questions and offered thoughts. And I want to just touch on three issues that have arisen this morning. The first is the issue of balance. We have a number of competing claims within this room. Uh, people who genuinely want to help, but who genuinely see barriers, and others who genuinely want to help, but genuinely want to make sure that the rights and interests of every individual are protected. Those are not things that should slow us down or stop us. That we have full support for measures that encourage people to employ and to create jobs. But we as a government strongly value the rights that employees have, specified by employment legislation, and we recognize the need that they need to be protected. So we need a balanced approach. We need everybody in this room to be able to work together on that approach, to make sure that the things that might divide us don't divide us, and we can move forward together to get some solutions. There needs to be a broad engagement, and that's what the National Economic Forum has been for to bring people together, to get them working together, and to find solutions. So I recognize the government recognizes the need for that balance, and we'll address it as we take these issues forward. Secondly, the issue of education has been raised in almost every group, uh, and regularly by others. And I will take away some of the ideas that exist. We do have a distributed education system in Scotland. That is an advantage. There is energy in each school, and hopefully good leadership in each school that is driving forward employment, important issues within that locality. But we also need a national overview and we need to set national priorities. And I'm very much listening to what has been said on that matter and I will work on it with my colleagues. And Thursday, thir thirdly, accentuating the positive. This is a problem. The issue of youth employment is a problem for Scotland. It's a problem uh, worldwide, but it's a problem we need to address in Scotland as a positive. We need to find the positive ways to resolve it and we need to look at the good resolutions that have been found, the individual good cases, and learn from those. So there will be a positive agenda going forward, and the government will drive that very hard. Now, we're going to collate the feedback we've had, we're going to collate the ideas, and we're going to move on to next steps, and we will prepare a final copy of the Youth Employment Plan, which will be distributed to each delegate. But I'm going to ask you for something more. 
because I think each delegate in here will ask themselves when they go away, what am I doing to assist in this matter? And therefore, I'm going to ask the officials involved in this to contact each and every one of you individually in three months' time to ask what action you have taken to help in this area. I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but we're all put on the spot by this, and we've all got to find some answers ourselves. So uh, if I can put it this way, you have three months. I'm sure many of you are doing a great deal already, but individually, what more can you do? Because time is of the essence. Those of us who remember the 1980s know that it was an inability to act when the problem was obvious that did lead to that lost generation. And we're absolutely certain that if that is not going to happen on this occasion, and it's not, then we have to act now. It's not an option to delay this strategy to say we'll just have another meeting. We've got to do things. Now, we will collate the feedback, we'll publish the youth employment plan, we'll act upon it. Angela will be round and about and going in a variety of different places to talk to people, to take these issues forward, and we'll be holding a series of regional events in the spring to allow further direct engagement with local stakeholders. And as Angela has indicated, the uh, unique nature of her appointment, the nature in which uh, her lines of accountability lie through myself and John Swinney, allows a focus from both education and from employment and finance to make sure that we are working hard. Moreover, Angela attends Cabinet as a right and therefore reports as part of that group to the First Minister about how, this progress, how progress is being made. So she will continue to drive this forward working with you. So finally, thank you for being here. There's much more to do. The First Minister was unequivocal this morning in his ambition. He knows, as the government knows, that everyone who could make a contribution to increasing youth employment in Scotland has to do so. He speaks not just for whatever the collective noun is for a group of ministers, in this case perhaps an ambition of ministers, but he also speaks for everybody in this room and he speaks for Scotland. We are a relatively small country. We can move quickly. We can make things much simpler. We can come together to work in a, in, as one and we can collectively address and overcome challenges that face us. Your contribution and presence here today proves that to be true. I hope that we will see concrete change in the months ahead, and it will be because of your individual efforts that that is the case. Thank you.